Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Take your seats. God is so good. Wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Just to remind us, the heart for the house, when we do do it this year, the whole purpose of owning a place is to disciple this city to get people saved, to get people delivered, to get people to fall in love with Jesus, to make disciples, to equip the saints, to, to get the job done. And God has graced us for an amazing building on Parramatta Road because he's, He doesn't want us to be hidden. He wants us to be a city on the hill. And so God did give us a word through uh, someone that saw us on a, having a church building on a highway. And then that was years ago. And then th- this came up. We found it right on one of the busiest roads in Sydney. So why do we do what we do? Is to see people transformed, changed, loved, cared for, healed, set free, delivered, and um, we want to see that in this in this city in this city this year increase even more. Amen. I'm speaking on the presence. Now it is Vision Sunday, but I want us to feel the heart of God because God's vision doesn't change for His people. Each year doesn't change from year to year, but it's just something that God's placing on our hearts to, to bring before us as a people and to see that God wants to bring us into a place of maturity so that we're seeking His presence. What is it all about? Why do we come to church? It's to seek Him. Many people go to church for different reasons, but the, the Bible reason, the, the purpose in the heart of the Father, we're going to go through it, is to worship Him. And to actually be reunited in relationship so that He lives in us and we live in Him. That we're together again. We were separated, but God has brought us together. The whole purpose of God's creation was so that He could have children that He can love. So He can be with His people. When I say be, actually live inside of you by His presence. When you look up the word Spirit of God or Holy Spirit, that is literally when you can look at presence. That You can't have the Holy Spirit without the presence of God. Okay, We had a word given to us about 29 years ago by the man, a prophetic man by the name of Paul Van Essen, who used to be Oxford Falls City, Christian City Church. He's leading a church in England right now. He prophesied to us when we were like, I don't know, 40, 50 people in a small church building. And he prophesied, he goes, we were in a leased building, obviously, and, and he goes, God is going to bring you from building to building, places to places, and, and equipment and, and things like this. And he goes, you'll be tempted to get your eyes on the physical building. Don't be tempted to look at the physical because it's the presence. Never forget the word. It's the presence of God that got you there from place to place or building to building as you grow. And so I never forgot that word. It's the presence of God that brings us into His promised land, where He wants us to go. What is presence? Because we all have a different mindset of what presence means. Right now in our thought of God and images of what the word presence means, we all have different ones in our minds. I just want to read a definition of the word presence in the dictionary. It says, the state or fact of existing. The state or fact of existing, occurring or being present. My presence is in the flat, or sorry, my presence in the flat made her happy. Just a phrase. I like this one too. A person or a thing that exists 
or is present in a place but is not seen. So when, when, if it's a presence, you know when people walk into a room, you carry a presence about you, don't you? Sometimes you walk into a room and if the person's full of anxiety, stress and fear and critical and judgmental, you actually sense what they just brought in. Changes the room, changes the atmosphere, and everyone gets tense. And everyone feels it. You know, it's unseen, but you sense it. That's presence. Someone's carrying the wrong presence. But, so, so imagine God's presence. When He is in you, or you, there's, you know, like, understand this too with the words that we use. There's the omnipresence of God. That means God is present everywhere. Everywhere. There's not a place where God isn't present. But that's not His manifest presence. So His manifest presence is actually, he, you, he, you, you are aware of His presence. Probably, I like to say that way because I believe He's there. But when we become aware of His presence, then we, we are experiencing His presence. And what is His presence like? Full of love. There's no selfishness in God at all. Full of faith. There's no fear in God at all. Full of love. God doesn't just have these things. He doesn't just have love. He is love. That's why His love melts you when you become aware of His presence. And so you can experience tangibly His presence. Your emotions can get connected to it as well. But sometimes your emotions aren't connecting, but your spirit is sensing. His love for you. Or is peace. Imagine God doesn't just have peace. He is peace. No anxiety, no stress, no worry whatsoever in the heart of God, in His presence. When He walks into the room, that's what He brings. He brings His presence, peace, no anxiety whatsoever. Not at all. Faith, no fear. God is completely full of faith. Not, an, not has faith, He just is faith. There's no, no fear in God whatsoever. We can go on with joy. Christine read the scripture. In the fullness of the presence of God, there's joy and pleasures forevermore. So God's presence is joy. You know, God doesn't have a depressed thought. I've pictured God on his throne with a massive, giant, radiant smile. Actually, the Bible says the Father laughs sitting on the throne and looks at his enemies. It's two scriptures. The Bible says God laughs. Could you imagine God the Father laughing? His presence. Like... We were created to be with Him and Him to be with us and live in us. That's the way you and I created. Whatever God created, like God, God spoke to, when He created everything, we know that He spoke, He said, light be, and light was. Where did that light come from? I believe it came from God. Light was in God and God spoke it out and it, bang, light was. That's what it says in the Hebrew. And it says, He gathered the waters I love that picture, that God gathering the waters. And then he spoke, and the land mass came up. He gathers it. And then when he spoke, when he created the sea creatures, the Bible says he spoke to the sea so that the creatures would come forth. When he, when he created the animals of the earth, he spoke to the earth. And what he creates has to be dependent and live upon the earth. If he creates animals, they are dependent. You take them out of that environment of the earth, they die. The fish of the sea, they have to stay in their environment where he spoke it out of. He spoke it out of the ocean. They, you take them out of there, they die. When he created you, he spoke it out of himself. He made us in his image. Take us away from God, you die. Take us away from his environment of who he is. We spiritually die. 
You weren't created to experience depression, anxiety, worry, fear, unbelief, deception, lies. I'm telling you the truth. You were not created for that. And these things that we're talking about, it's the Word of God that has to reshape, renew our thinking. The word renew means to renovate. We've been renovating this building. And to renovate a building or a house, you tear down to put up. You tear down the old and you put up the new. You tear out the carpet, the old, put down the new. You tear down the bad thoughts that weren't real and all full of deception and lies and put the real. And so when you look at the, 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 the Genesis, when he spoke mankind, when he created mankind, he, he actually created us with his hands from the earth. But then he breathed, the Bible says. After he molded Adam perfectly with those six abs, six pack. Magnificent looking human being. When God shapes you, I mean, and I'm sure the woman was, whoo, as well. Shaped her, molded her, made her beautiful. And when, but God, God stooped down, the Bible says, and breathed. You know, the word spirit in the Hebrew means breath. Think of the spirit of God as the breath. I was thinking in worship. That the Father on His throne. Imagine that the Spirit of God is His breath. And start a picture in the Father breathing. And breathing. And they say scientifically, every time you and I breathe, exhale. That's His name. Every human being says His name every time they breathe. Scientifically, you listen to the lungs. He created us, molded us, and breathed into us his very spirit, his very breath. And man became a living being, made in his image, made in his likeness. We walked in the cool of the garden with God, full of glory. What does that look like for Adam and Eve to be full of glory? I believe they're shining and glowing with glory. I do. Jesus transfigured. The second Adam is the last Adam. God brought in another Adam to defeat what the devil did for the first Adam. Had to bring another man. What the devil did to Adam, God had to bring another Adam, which is Jesus, to defeat the devil on the plane of mankind. Jesus identified himself with mankind completely. He emptied himself of the privilege of being God and became a man. And so he took on the enemy for us on our behalf. The reality of what God did for us. The Bible says in Psalms 8 that God clothed us with glory and honor. Clothed. The glory of God is the very presence of God. It's a very heaviness. It's a word for heavy. In the, in the Hebrew, it means heavy. It's like the weightiness of God's presence comes. And that's on Adam. And then you know the story. God spoke to them. And God said, you're going to eat of all the trees of the garden. There's so many beautiful things for them to partake of and eat and enjoy the food. It's this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't touch it because in the day that you eat of that, you would die. Why? Because that, that meant disobedient. That means high treason. That means they're saying, God, no, I don't believe that you want the best for us. Walking with God is the best thing you could go for. Greatest life, greatest adventure, greatest joy, greatest plan, greatest everything to walk with the will of God. The devil lies to us to make us think it's not worth it. It's not worth paying the price. It's not worth being obedient. Of course it is. It's the greatest lie you've ever heard. And so imagine God said to him, don't touch that tree. In the day that you eat of it, you'll die. And then look what happens. 
Then the eyes, verse 7 of chapter 3 in Genesis, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. They got a revelation that they shouldn't have got. They started realizing, what? We're naked. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They realized we're going to do something to cover ourselves, to cover our nakedness. They're starting to fall into works. They're doing their own strength to get leaves, sew them up, cover themselves And look at this in verse 4. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife, what they do? Hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. This is the first time. Think about this. Why would you hide yourself from the beautiful, most beautiful person in the universe? The presence of the Lord is beautiful. Think of what just happened. They're in the garden. They're naked. They're hiding. They can hear God walk as he did before, walking in the garden to walk with them, to talk with them, to fellowship with them, to hang out with them. But they're not to be found. They started hiding. See, their nakedness made them afraid of the one who loves them. What blows me away is that God went after them. God was looking for them. Why why does it blow me away? Because I'm a man, and I think about God. I think God could have reacted. Of course he didn't. We can read how he reacted. He could have reacted. Ah, no, I know what this is going to do. It's going to plunge humanity into spiritual death and all the curses of mankind. You've opened up this door. You're going to die. All the humanity's wars are going to come now. Murder and lies and deception and rape and pedophilia. And all the wicked things of the world, you've plunged them into death. Now, we know God knew that was going to happen. But he didn't react like that. He doesn't react with the reality of the consequence of what just happened. But he comes to the call of the day, as before, God didn't move, God didn't change. We moved. We're running away. Think about goodness of God, God's love, God's mercy. And he's walking and he starts and he says, he says this, Where are you? He doesn't say it the way I said it. I think he said it with compassion. You might have not sound, felt the compassion. You might have felt like desperation. I don't think God was desperate. I think God was saying, because God doesn't ask a question that he doesn't know the answer. He knows exactly where they are. He wants Adam to hear his voice say, where are you? And when you're behind trees hiding, and you're hiding, and God, the beautiful Lord, says, where are you? They have to acknowledge, we heard your sound. Walk in the cool of the day. But we were afraid because we were naked. The word fear is so important to remember. What happened? Why did all of a sudden they become afraid? Because of their guilt, because of their shame, because they felt bad. They let God down. They broke their word. They broke God's covenant. They broke, they made high treason. They honestly said, we don't trust you, God. We trust what the serpent says and what we can see with our eyes. I know you said we shouldn't, and if we do, we'd die, but we're going to disobey you. We're not going to believe you want the best for us. So there was a lot of thing at stake, and they said no to God, and they ate of it, and they committed high treason, and they felt shame, guilt, nakedness, and because of that, they were afraid. But God was looking after him. God's having a conversation. Why are you afraid? Who told you you were naked? Can you see his pursuit? He's pursuing. 
but our fear, see, what happens when you're afraid, you hide. We started hiding from someone who's so beautiful, from the Lord God who's so magnificent. And then, and then the excuses of humanity started with Adam. And, 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 and then he's, when God says, who told you you were naked? Did you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that I told you not to? And then the man said, the woman whom you gave me to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. In other words, you gave me this woman. And then when, when the Lord said to the woman, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it this you have done? And the woman said, oh, the serpent deceived me and I ate. It was like, not my fault. I mean, the serpent did it. If it wasn't for him, you created the serpent. So, you know, and he started, and excuses. So when you're hiding, you, you get excuses. I've got excuses. I have to ask myself, why do I run from God? Why don't I run to God? What are the excuses that you put to God? Is it the fact that you just don't know how good he is? So we make up excuses? Because if you could get a revelation of how good he is, you'd run to God. You'd pour your life out to God. You'd prioritize your world and your life so you, that you can be with God. And please his heart and say, God, I want to please you. When you see a glimpse of how beautiful the Lord is. This is the year. This is the vision of the whole year. It's to see Him. To have an encounter with the loving one, the Father of all lights. If you, go, if you turn, please, to Genesis 3. I really got to get through a lot of stuff. I try to anyway. Genesis, uh, sorry, Genesis 32. Jacob has an encounter with, well, he, he defines this encounter as seeing God face to face. Now, this could be the Lord where he reveals him. He comes in, 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 he appears in the natural to communicate. Some, sometimes it's good to say the angel of the Lord. And, and when God spoke with Abraham and spoke about Lot and uh, sorry, about um, Sodom and Gomorrah and, and all that stuff. Well, Jacob has an encounter, whether he's an angel of the Lord or God himself putting on like a, a flesh to be able to communicate. It says, verse 30, uh, chapter 32, verse 24, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When he saw that he had not prevailed, when this angel saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh so that the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Like Jacob was holding on. Jacob's holding on. I mean, he's fighting. He's wrestling with his angel. Then he said, let me go. The angel said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. I don't know what, why maybe he's, he's on an assignment and when the dawn breaks, he has to go back to heaven. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So Jacob's wrestling. He says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Jacob's got this in mind. Just bless me. And so what does the angel say? He said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven, you have striven with God and with men and, and have prevailed. So how does he technically bless him? He changes his name. You're not going to be called Jacob. The word Jacob means surplanter. You're not going to be called surplanter, decept, deceiver. It says one who usurps other people. That's his name. He had an identity change. 
I will call you Israel, which means prince with God, fighter of God. Israel means to rule, to contend, to have power, to prevail over. A prince who has power with God. Total identity change. When you have an encounter with God, you and I have to have our identity change. I was a deceiver. My name was Jacob. But the Lord said, when he said, please bless me, he goes, what's your name? Jacob, deceiver, supplanter. That's what he was. He supplanted and deceived his father for the inheritance, remember? With Esau. He goes, well, your name's not going to be Jacob anymore. You just had an encounter with God. I'm going to call you Israel. And from then on in, he was called Israel. That's an identity change. Someone tries to call him Jacob. He says, no, no, don't call me Jacob. It's Israel now. So when you have an encounter with God, your identity has to change. We have to have a transformation encounter. You see Isaiah in 6. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, is where the Lord, Isaiah goes before the Lord. Whew, it's hot up here. All right. Let me find it. And it says, In the year the king Uzziah died, King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him. And those seraphim angels, I believe they're made of fire, personally. The scriptures in the Hebrew actually mean, seraphim means fire. These angels got six wings. It says, we're each having six wings with two covered his face and with two covered his feet and with two they flew and one called out to another and said holy 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 is the lord god of hosts the whole earth is filled with the glory now we just read that and go yeah the whole earth is filled with the glory now i believe that that means the earth is filled with the glory of god you don't see it that's all we have to see the glory of god i walk in in the street and i see a tree and I see a leaf. And I look, Lord, you said the whole earth is filled with the glory of God. This leaf is not like any other leaf. It's got its own print. It's different to all the other hundreds of thousands on that tree. And all the trees in the world. That's the glory of God. The root itself is getting sustenance. And it came from a seed. That's the glory of God. The design that all the DNA was in a seed that created a massive tree. And, and some of these trees produce fruit. That's the glory of God. An ant. Look at an ant. It's design. The way it carries weight, it's the glory of God. Look at a bee. Look at your human body. That's the glory of God. Billions of billions of billions of cells. It still amazes me when I see a baby born from a seed in an egg. It has all the information to become every single body part, and God forms them in the womb. That's the glory of God. The whole earth... It's filled with the glory of God. The stars, the universe. The Bible says the stars, the sun and the moon and all the stars and galaxies reflect the glory of God. It shows us that's the glory of God because God spoke that into existence. But unless our eyes are open, we don't see that the whole earth is full of the glory. Our eyes have to be open to the very glory presence of God. Isaiah sees all this. And it says, and the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling up with smoke. Like he's saying, I'm in the throne. I'm seeing the Father 
He's high and lifted up, glory and smoke and glory and brilliant light, brighter than the sun. The Father's face is shining, shining brighter than the sun. And when the angels are sw- uh, swimming, uh, flying around him, holy, holy. We see that in the book of Revelations. Holy, holy. Day and night, they keep saying, holy, holy. They keep seeing a glimpse of the Father, his beauty, his magnificence. It's beautiful. Wow, wow. Holy, holy, holy. Constantly. They're on fire. Full of glory, and they still say, holy, holy. And their voice was so loud that the, the actual temple trembled in heaven. Man. And so what does he get? He gets a revelation of, whoa, is me, for I am ruined. Because I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then a seraphim flew down grabbed a coal with a tongue from the altar and touched his lips and says, you are cleansed from your sin. And I believe that's a picture of the blood of Jesus Christ that will go at the altar in heaven. The book of Hebrews tells us this, that he pours his altar in the throne of heaven, holy of holies, and pours it on the altar. And that's a picture of touching that altar, the, stone, uh, the coal of fire and touching his lips. Your sin will be cleansed. First he felt undone, lost and undone. But then he says, he's cleansed. And then he overhears the father speaking. He says, who will go for me? Who will go? And he says, oh, here I am. I'll go. He's moved by God's presence. Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, is when Jesus was baptized by John the baptizer. And the Bible says, as he was come up out of the water, the heavens opened up. That's pretty powerful. The glory of God there. Heavens opened up and the Spirit of God came down. Now, we know the Spirit of God's already in Jesus. But the Spirit of God came down like a dove, giving a sign to John the baptizer. Because God told John, when you see the Spirit come on him, that's the Messiah. And so when the Spirit of God comes down like a dove, then the voice of Almighty God, the Father, speaks. What does he say? Of all the things that he could say, what does he say? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Trying to sound like God. Deep, loving voice. But this is my beloved son in whom, there's identity there. This is my son, identity. Jesus hasn't done anything yet. He hasn't started the ministry. Miracle working, Jesus of Nazareth working miracles hasn't even begun. His website.com didn't start yet. He hasn't done anything except be a son. And the Father wants people to know, I'm pleased. He's my son. What am I saying? God's presence changes identity. You have to know you're a son and a daughter. If you want to experience the presence of God all day long, you have to know who you are. We talked about the altar, the blood of Jesus. You've got to know. That God the Father sent Jesus to die on the cross in our place to take the sin, the penalty of sin once and for all. He was the sacrifice that perfected humanity. He identified himself with us by becoming sin, even though he was sinless, born of a virgin, never disobeyed the Father. He could consume the judgment of God against humanity. And when he dies on that cross and spills his blood on purpose, he doesn't just physically die, he had to Be separated from God. He spiritually died. To become sin is to die in your spirit. His spirit was separated from God. 
That's why Jesus had to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because Adam and Eve died spiritually. Another, Adam had to die in our place. And he died, was separated from God. But he reverses this curse on humanity. And he goes, I believe he went to hell. And I believe after three days of free nights suffering in our place, that the Holy Spirit, the glory of the Father, comes into Jesus' spirit in the, the, the regions of hell, resurrects his spirit. And when he gets resurrected, he takes the keys of death and hell from Satan once and for all. All the authority under heaven and earth has been given unto me, Jesus says. You go, therefore. See, gone are the days, please hear my heart, gone are the days where you come to church and the only place you experience God is in church. Gone are the days where you go to church and the anointed pastor, preacher, evangelist, he's the anointed one. He will lay hands on you and you'll get set free from his anointing. No, you are all anointed by God. You are all priests to God. In the new covenant, because of what Jesus did, you have to know your identity and realize God has all called us all kings and priests in this kingdom. Jesus came to bring a kingdom on earth, not a, just a church. Church is a part of the kingdom, very vital part. You have to belong to the church to be a part of the kingdom. But what has Jesus brought in? The kingdom of God. And what did he say? Don't say the kingdom of God's far away over there. There it is somewhere over there. Because the kingdom of God is within you. In the Old Testament, God set up the Ark of the Covenant. And I haven't got time to go through the Scriptures. I can tell you the Scriptures, but it's, it's, it's where is it? Exodus 29, 45 to 46. It says in the Old Covenant, He says, I will bring um, the tabernacle. I'll set up the tabernacle, the sacrifice of the Old Covenant, of the lambs and all those things, and, and to sacrifice the high priest once for a year. All that He created is so that I can be. That's what the Bible says, so I can be among you. So I can be among my people. Didn't say in you. It's only when Jesus died on the cross that He became in you. And in the old covenant, the temple, when they, is in Solomon's days, the temple is as they sacrificed thousands and thousands and thousands of bulls and animals and goats in the streets and fed everybody and they sacrificed unto God. And then the, the worshippers, hundreds and hundreds of them, trumpeters, worshippers and guitars and harps and everything, Electric keyboard, no, no, uh, just, just everything. And as the Bible says, as they worshipped and made one sound to the Lord. Please hear this. When they got into unity and they made one sound into the Lord, the glory of God went into the physical temple in the old covenant. The smoke filled the temple where the ministers couldn't even stand and minister anymore. The very glory of God. What would you do if the, it, was, it was a cloud as thick as the clouds in the sky came into this room? In the new covenant, it's going to happen. It's going to happen regularly in these last days. When all people in the church are connected to God, they're all worshippers of God, they all love Jesus, they all have relationship with God, they spend time with God at home. This is not the only fix on Sunday. Oh, Sunday I get a better fix. I better be lifted up. No, every day you're connected with God. When you come, you carry God in. It's the rivers that Heidi was speaking about. You all got a river. Jesus says, Please look this up. We've run out of time. John 7, verse 37, the last day of the feast, Jesus stands up with a loud voice. Anyone who's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Because out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Rivers, rivers. When you get connected to God, rivers of living water. 
And it says this, this he spoke about the Spirit. For the Spirit of the living God was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. See, Jesus had to die, shed his blood, go to heaven, pour his blood in heaven, be glorified, sit down at the right hand of the Father. Then he sends the Holy Spirit to be in us. It's very clear. This, is, this he spoke about the Spirit, for the Spirit was not yet given until Jesus was glorified. You know, Jesus said, wait until you be endured with the with power from on high, wait for the promise of my Father. He kept saying it in the Luke and John. Wait, and I will give you the promise that my Father has spoken. And he goes, wait, for you receive power from on high. He keeps saying about the promise. It's found in Ezekiel. And in Ezekiel, it says this. A new heart also I will give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. That's the resurrection spirit. There's not the Holy Spirit because you can't have a, a new Holy Spirit. Right? It's, the, it's being, your dead spirit being resurrected. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And I will put, this is the Holy Spirit, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgment. That's the Old Testament promise of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The book of Joel, what does it say? In the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh because a man died on the cross God the Father can send the Holy Spirit, but not just to have an encounter, experience, a visitation, but a habitation. He wants a habitation because He lives in you all the time. I have to be aware of His presence all the time. He's there. So you have Him around the dinner table. We're going to have lunch together, my family. We're going to have Him around our fa- fa- dinner table, our lunch time. You get up in the morning, you go to work, you have Him when you get up. You walk and you talk with Him. That's why the New Covenant says, pray without ceasing. Anytime you look up the word seek in the, New Test- in the New Covenant, New Testament, the word seek is more about seek first the kingdom of God. Or seek those things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. In other words, let your thoughts, your emotions, your affections, let it be about those things that are above, those that you have. You've been already seated in heavenly places. Now keep your mind focused on what you already have, the inheritance you already have, that Holy Spirit lives in you. It's not a seeking something you don't have. Does that make sense? Old Covenant, yes. Heaps of words on seeking. Old Covenant. Actually, you look at the Strong's Concordance, it goes on for ages. But in the New Covenant, it's very few. But what it does say, it's about seek those things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. You're seated with Him in heavenly places. You've got to know your identity. Can I have a few more minutes? This is too important. I'm getting to the most important part. When Jesus was transfigured, what happened in the mountain of transfiguration in your Bible, right? When he was transfigured, the Bible says his face shone like the sun. This is before his resurrection. His, his, his clothes started to shine like lightning. Imagine his face shining. And then the Bible says that a bright cloud came down in the mountain. The Father speaks again. The second time that we hear him say something. In the middle of his ministry, he had been doing miracles and all that. And now he's done great power and miracles and all that stuff. But what does the father say? Pretty much the same thing. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He adds one thing. Listen to him. Because Peter was going off in a tantrum. He wants to build a tabernacle, a tent, and make an idol of Moses and Elijah that was there. And, and, but the, the, this one, get out of this. The Bible says Peter fell down full of fear. 
<laughs> when, you, when, you, when you see the presence of God, you react in fear. Remember, remember Adam and Eve? They reacted and were afraid. They were hiding. They were naked. They were afraid. Peter walked in with Jesus for so many years and they react in fear. The Bible says, Jesus says, don't be afraid. Touches them. Stands them back up. And the, one of the last things that you see, John the Apostle, the Revelator, the one who wrote the book of Revelations. He's been walking with the Lord for who knows how long, maybe 80, 90 years. He's over 100 years old, more likely. Gets thrown to the island of Patmos because of the Word of God, because of persecution. They're trying to shut him up. Try to boil him in oil, the, the tradition says, and he didn't die. Not the Bible, but the tradition says that. It's written in history books. And that he wouldn't die. They send him to the island of Patmos for the Word of God. They chained him up, and he has a vision. He has an encounter of Jesus. You know the story. Gives you an, he gives you an explanation of what he saw when he saw Jesus. Again, his face shined like the sun. His fire, his eyes were like flames of fire. His voice was like thunder. He's glowing like bronze. His legs were blowing like bronze in the fire. He's trying to use human words to show how much glory was coming out of him. But my understanding, John, the Bible says John fell down like a dead man. Totally, I mean, what happens when you come into the presence of God? You die. Isaiah felt undone. Woe is me. You die. Everything about you dies because you know there's nothing in you. God's not looking for worthy. He's looking for thirsty. We think, oh, I'm going to be worthy. No, you just got to be thirsty for this. He's not looking for perfection. He already made you perfect at the cross. And when you understand it, what blows me away, you know, remember in the cloud with the transfiguration, Jesus wasn't afraid. He had identity. He wasn't afraid of the glory of God, the cloud that was there, and God the Father spoke. One time God spoke in John, the Gospel of John, and God says, this voice didn't come from me, it came for you. What identity? He doesn't even have to hear the voice of God. He doesn't even have to hear the Father's audible voice. He already hears the voice of God. God's in him. Shows you identity. But when John saw Jesus full of glory in the book of Revelations, he died. He says, I, I, he says, I was like a dead man, possibly fainted because of the glory that was coming out of him. You know what the Bible says? Jesus, clear from the word, Jesus touched him with his right hand. Why not left hand? Because right speaks of acceptance and authority and stands it back up and he, and he proceeds to give him all the information for the seven churches and then it says that same voice took me into heaven on the throne Jesus gives him an experience with the father like it's almost like and he actually says don't be afraid I think why I say I say to myself why am I afraid of God when he's loving it's that sinful nature unrenewed mind why are we afraid why do we run from God why do we hide why do we make excuses what is that in us? In that sinful nature. It's a sinful nature. Even John, walking with God for so many years, he still reacted in fear because of the glory of God. Yet the glory of God, don't be afraid. Stand up. If, if Jesus walked into your room, you'd see him smiling, radiant smile, eyes of love. He'd hug you, probably look into your head and grab your head and say, I love you. I want you to know I love you. The world hasn't loved you like Jesus loves you. Your mum and dad, no matter how perfect they were and loving the other, they don't love you or 
can love you the way Jesus eternally loves you. Loves you. But you've got to encounter this love. All day long, all year long, and like this is this is it. This is it. It's not gonna get any better than this is the very purpose of what God created. It was his presence to be in us. Yes, we'll change the world. Yes, we'll transform the world, but it comes out of this. Yes, we'll go heal the sick. Jesus had no problem with saying, The Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. He has healed, I mean, He has anointed me to heal the sick, to set captives free, to preach the gospel to the poor. So that's the outworking of what the Spirit of God does when He's in you. That'll happen. But don't look for that without this. Counter with God, experiencing God, the Father, the love of the Father regularly. Please hear that in, on the, in the new covenant, I'm telling you, we try to build a, 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 wrong, a different pattern. It won't work. It's the priesthood of all believers. The ark of the covenant rested on the priest's shoulders. When they didn't do that, they died. Uriah touched the ark and died. And the right way, the right pattern, David said, was on the shoulders, the government of the priests. So when, when you... When all the priests know that they have that governing authority to administrate the presence of God, I'm telling you, the glory of God will come in places. Come in your room, come in the connect groups, come in the business, come in the universities, come in the schools, come in the marketplace, come in the shopping centers. It'll come when there's unity. Unity of love for Him. The day of Pentecost, all in one accord, in one place. One accord, unity. One place. They're all crying out, all hungry, all thirsty. And what happened? A rushing mighty wind, the breath of God came. Spirit of God came and filled them and they changed the world. They changed the world. And I can't explain it any other way, guys. That's why I wanted to emphasize identity. It's going to take us to know our identity in Christ. Ezekiel 47 one of the greatest revelations you'll get out of the river flowing from the temple is it started ankle deep, measured another thousand, went to knee deep, went another thousand, went to waist deep, went another thousand in the river and went to a place where they could not swim anymore and the river took the current. It speaks of progression. It speaks of the Holy Spirit moving on you little by little. Progression, little by little. Handle the ankle, but enjoy the ankle deep. It'll refresh you when it's a hot day, but not like knee deep and and then waist deep. And eventually you get into the river. But where the river flows, when everyone's flowing in that river, there's trees on every side of the river and it produces leaves for healing for the nations, fruit to eat from. And even in the river says, there's places to throw nets to catch fish. That's lost souls being saved. That river speaks of the life of God, the life of God in, in and every one of us. Everyone carrying the presence of God. There's no room for gossiping, no room for judgmental attitude, no room for criticism, no room for negative talk. There's no room for that. Flesh stuff. That's human. That's, that's baby stuff. The glory of God is going to come when we're unified in love with Jesus. But let's grow in our identity. Everything we do this year as a church is to help you grow in your identity. Everything. Community being planted in relationship, in accountability, in love. We've always been a church that wants His presence. Let's never lose that vision.
I'm, I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that's the vision of the Father's heart. That's the whole purpose of why Jesus died on the cross was to reunite us. But you know what? We actually are reunited. How do I see myself? I see myself as a son of the Father, joint heirs with Christ, seated with Him in heavenly places. What the Jesus has, I have. Now renewing my mind, I look into the glory. 2 Corinthians, look into the glory of the face of Jesus and I'm transformed into the very glory that I see. I have to get a revelation to see Him so I can change to be like Him. And that's a progression. Ankle, knee, waist, deep in. Little by little. Let's give grace to everybody. Not judgmental, but grace to everyone. Everyone's at their own time, their own space. It's so unique. Be real. Be yourself. Don't have to perform. Don't have to be, be, be somebody you're not. Be freed to be a part of the family of God. Amen. been listening to the ggc life podcast we hope this message has encouraged you for more please visit our website ggclife.com or email us ggclife at ggclife.com from our house to yours be blessed